Welcome one, welcome all. It has been a minute, but speaking of a minute, it is one past, not the seventh hour, what is this, the 15th hour, whatever, I don't know how that works, uh, military time and all that. It is 7.01 p.m. Central Standard Time on Tuesday, June 27th, 2023. We have not been here in three weeks, so we are back uh, for a three-week sized, or three-week quality sized at least, uh, Blog of the Boys Roundtable here on the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel, as well as the Blog of the Boys Twitch channel. So make sure to follow us over on Twitch as well. You can also listen to the show at your own convenience on the Blog of the Boys Podcast Network. Make sure to check out blogandtheboys.com. If you're anywhere throughout the Blog of the Boys universe, you will see all of us. My name is RJ Ochoa, and with me tonight in clockwise order for the visual audience, starting in our upper right quadrant, it is Tony Catalina, who hails from the upper right quadrant of the continental United States. I guess all of the United States, not just continental. Uh, Tony, what is your favorite state uh, in the country? Massachusetts. You know, I, I love I love my home state, and I, I'm very uh, powerful. Yeah, I love it. It's awkwardly <laughs> shaped. Nobody likes it. Nobody can. Re- what is the capital? It's not Boston. What is it? It is Boston. Is it really? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay, whatever. Well, I believe you. Anyway, Tony Catalina is here tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, Tony, thank you so much for joining us and for playing along. Uh, tonight's winner, I think we'll have some bragging rights because we haven't had an episode in quite some time. Uh, we haven't seen this face in quite some time. Fresh off of an international trip, it is the one and only David Howman in one of the more luxurious, uh, I guess, interiors uh, that uh, Google Images has to offer. David Howman, how are you doing this particular evening? I'm doing just great, living the life of luxury here in this very real, very three-dimensional house, Um, just enjoying life. Yeah, uh, there's a piano in the background of your image. You do strike me as somebody that would know how to play that. Uh, Do you actually know how to play the piano? Um, That piano, I can play very well, just that (laughs) one. Okay. Uh, well, thank you uh, for the specific detail. Uh, Rick says Massachusetts is great. Um, so there are multiple uh, versions of you, Tony. Uh, Kevin saying hello to Rick, who had said, what's up, guys? Uh, Kevin says, hey, Rick, missed everyone, too. Chris Holling, uh, you're going to be new to the upper right quadrant uh, of the country uh, in just a little bit. But for now, I guess you are in the upper right quadrant um, in uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Uh, what is your yep. favorite episode of The Office, Chris Holling? Um, and please don't say like, like a really popular. Don't be like the Dundies. Like, I'm, I give us something a little bit more obscure. Uh, I think my favorite episode is probably the dinner party episode. With uh, <laughs> it's when okay, so uh, Michael literally the most Jane popular Ho- episode. It's not. It's not show. one of the most popular. I mean, listen, it's it's one of the most popular because it's an iconic and funny episode. There's a lot that happens in that episode. Um, what's the what's the funniest part of that episode? Let's see if you can stick the landing here. Because there's a there's a right answer to this question. The snip snap that's funny, and then also the the um plasma screen TV when he points that's at it, answer. and he that yeah, yeah, no, those are the two uh, best answers, Chris. What would you do? Because I don't know if you know this. If I told you that Tony had never seen The Office, I would say, What are you doing, Tony? You got to get on that. That's the first thing that you have to do after losing to me in this round table tonight. <laughs> Goodness, <laughs> all right. Okay, uh, I uh, I'm a fan of uh, of the aggressiveness. Uh, Kevin has asked me if I'm going to the Astros Rangers game this weekend. No, but my Twitter timeline will be very upset with me. Uh, I was at the Astros Mets game last Wednesday. Um, it was World Series ring giveaway day, and so uh, my whole family and I went. Have you guys ever bought 13 tickets and managed 13 people, including yourself? Because it was a really hectic thing, including a baby. Uh, so uh, I'm not trying to brag. Uh, but you know, I did that anyway. Uh, Kevin has given you, Chris, five points for shoots fired. I think he meant shots. Um, so how many are the only person not on the board tonight? How many, since you don't have any points, you get to describe to everyone what we're going to be talking about this evening. Go ahead and set the table, please, sir. Yeah. So we are going to be discussing the, uh, the Cowboys skill players group and where they rank in the NFL specifically because, um, the around the NFL podcast went through and, did a ranking of all of the different skill player groups for all the 32 NFL teams. And some of them had some interesting things to say about where the Cowboys ranked. Some were had the Cowboys higher, some had them a little bit lower. So we're going to go ahead and say why they're all wrong and why the Cowboys are number one, clearly. Um, I think that that's certainly fair. Um, Dak Prescott is not a part of this exercise. That is the important thing that we all have to grapple with. We all have to deal with. I do want to be honest and tell you all and the audience uh, right now on Wednesday's episode of the NFC East mixtape, Brandon Gowton and I did the most overrated players in the division, and we did one offensive and defensive one for every single team. I said Dak for the Cowboys. I, I, 
I felt I felt a little dirty. Um, but I kind I do think that there is like a hive that acts like he's better than he is. Like we, we all agree that he's better than a lot of people say, but I think there is a, a hive that has taken it too far. And I think that those people have gotten kind of loud. Is that fair, Tony? Uh, I, I think it's it's a it's a stretch wow. to talk about wow. Dak in an overrated manner because wow. of so much scrutiny and negativity he gets. I think it that's certainly a take. I mean, I'm sure there's a faction of of people who are really high on Dak Prescott, but I think the overwhelming majority is is pretty down on the guy nationally. Well, Chris, you were right. This is basically a two man show here tonight between you and Hellman. Uh, so we'll see which one of you walks away uh, with the title for the roundtable. So, again, we are going to be ranking the Dallas Cowboys skill position group. You can each kind of, you know, this is a bit vague. Um, obviously, we're looking at wide receivers. We're looking at running backs. We're looking at tight ends um, out, obviously, for the Cowboys. Notably, Dalton Schultz, who caught a million touchdowns last year. Zeke Elliott, who ran for a million touchdowns last year. In for the Cowboys, newbies, Brandon Cooks. Uh, I guess Noah Brown is out too. Um, didn't mean to overlook him, but I mean, we're talking, you know, this is a skill positions conversation. It's not a special teams conversation, but still, uh, Noah Brown is out. Brandon Cooks is in. Um, so is Deuce Vaughn. So is Luke Schoonmaker. Uh, am I missing anybody? No, oh, I guess Ronald Jones, Chris Holling. Uh, excuse me for overlooking Rojo. Um, anybody else that I'm, I guess we could say Rico Daddle, who was hurt last year, right? Like if, if we're really stretching the lines of things, is that fair? Jalen Moreno Cropper. That's true. Uh, JMC, uh, a part of the fold. Um, Dennis Houston with a year of experience. Who could forget the Dennis Houston hype of last summer? Um, and Michael Gallup. I, I know we've all kind of said this in different ways. Michael Gallup with another year removed uh, from the torn ACL. That is a factor. Um, so before we put the rankings on the screen, um, Tony, is it not very fair to say that we feel much better about the state of the skill position group than we did at this time a year ago? Because this time a year ago, we were all pissed off about the Amari Cooper trade. Yeah, they did make some moves that makes you that make you feel a little bit better about the situation as a whole. And obviously, we'll get into it over the course of this hour. Um, there are some question marks, and I think more of it is about the depth. But you feel really good about what the top of this skill position looks like, and I think that's um, something to be encouraged about. Uh, Kevin, by the way, disagrees with you, Tony. He says, RJ, you are right on. It isn't that Dak is garbage, but he isn't top five level either, except for the interceptions for sure. Top five till he shows otherwise. So again, kind of an interesting point, you know, shout out to me for being a little bit more creative than usual. Like who, who would have been the most overrated player on offense in your mind, Tony, on this team? Hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I, sound, I guess you're right. Yeah. I think that's, I, I guess that's fair. Uh, the other answer given was Tyron Smith, but I think we're all pretty honest about that. So I don't think any of us are like overrating him. Maybe Tyler Biotish. I think like his I mean, Pro right. Bowl alternate like kind of nod is, you know, he's I mean, better than average, but he's not like an elite guy. Tony, step across the line here. I mean, you're like putting one toe over and like, you know, hey, I'm playing the game. No, like we want you to step into it. Um, okay. Uh, Holt, David Holden says Schultz no longer on the team. So uh, definitely a unique answer. Um, okay, so how many you mentioned this last week, the Around the NFL podcast, I was going to say on their most recent episode, that's not true. I think they released an episode today. Uh, but last week, they uh, they ranked them. Uh, Dan Hanses, Greg Rosenthal, and Mark Sessler. And earlier this week, Bill Barnwell wrote about the same subject at ESPN.com. Again, looking at just the supporting cast for NFL quarterbacks to work with. So we're not evaluating the quality of the quarterback involved here. So here are the four lists. And I wrote about this. This will be out at some point on Wednesday at blogontheboys.com. You can see the list there. We have bolded where the Cowboys are for you if you are watching on YouTube or Twitch. We had to go all the way down to 15 because Greg Rosenthal was the lowest on the Cowboys and had them all the way down there. Dan Hanses had them at 14. Mark Sessler had them at 6. That is the highest ranking for the Cowboys, although Bill Barnwell, just one spot below them, had the Vikings above Dallas where Mark Sessler had them right below. So Barnwell has the Cowboys at 7. I think it's consensus, um, even amongst the four of us, that the 49ers, the Eagles, uh, definitely have better skill position players than the Cowboys, although I think we could debate the Eagles' point to a certain degree, but I think right now we're fine giving them their flowers. The Bengals, certainly. The Dolphins get a lot of love, obviously, because of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, very top-heavy. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, I think, might you know, kind of catch people by surprise, but DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, and that's just the wide receivers. They have a lot of weapons for Geno Smith to work with. 
Uh, some of the names on here that are a bit surprising, Chris Halling uh, from Dan Hansis, the New York Jets. Hansis is a Jets fan for what it's worth. Uh, the Jaguars, Calvin Ridley. There's a lot of hype around what he's going to bring to the Jaguars this season. The Browns and the aforementioned Amari Cooper. The Bills, who I think have one of the worst supporting casts in the NFL personally for Josh Allen. Uh, the Ravens uh, with Odell yeah. Beckham Jr. and now Zay Flowers. What, what, what's your first take looking at this list, Chris? My first take is that Dan's the one that's the least Dan's the one that's the least accurate on this list. So even though far. he doesn't have them the lowest, because Greg has them lower. Oh yeah, no, I didn't even see that Greg had them lower. It might be Greg, especially considering he has the Commanders above them, the Falcons above them, the Saints. Yeah, yeah. I think just immediate reaction. I think that Mark has it the closest. Okay, so Mark has the night in order: Niners, Bengals, Eagles, Dolphins, and Seahawks ahead of the Cowboys. The Vikings just below. Justin Jefferson is amazing, but uh, Jordan Addison is a bit of a question mark outside of that. Howman, uh, do you agree that Sessler is the most, you know, kind of in line here? What's your take? I think both Sessler and Barnwell are, are pretty pretty right in that category. I think kind of the the fringe top five is where the Cowboys belong. Just looking at Mark's list. Thinking about the Seahawks and even even the Dolphins, I would say the Cowboys are probably on a similar level, similar tier with the Dolphins in terms of skill players. Of course, the Dolphins have both Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Those guys are great, but outside of that, they don't really have a clear number three option, whether it's at, at tight end, whether it's a receiver, where Cedric Wilson, of course, they paid him all that money. He left the Cowboys, and he's just completely wasting away on the bench. Um, and then, you know, they, ne- they never really had a clear answer at running back as to who they're who their guy is in that rushing attack. So I think the Cowboys have a good argument to actually be better than the Dolphins being all the way up to number four, but definitely in that range seems right. I think the Dolphins get a little bit of love because of Mike McDaniel. But again, you know, if you're really doing this exercise and it depends how you define skill position group, like are you evaluating offensive scheme, offensive play caller? Like those are, are things that you could weigh here, I suppose, if people are a little bit higher on Mike McDaniel as a play caller than Mike McCarthy, the um, the battle of the Mike Max. Um, they will, there will be a battle, by the way. That's what we should call it when we get to Cowboys Dolphins in December. Tony, do you agree that Mark Sessler has the best list? And do you agree with Howman and Chris also because he has the Cowboys the highest? I mean, I think Mark Sussler and Bill Barnwell are, are kind of right in the right spot. As far as I'm concerned, if you don't have them inside the top 10, I don't I don't really see what you're seeing, to be honest with you. Um, I, I do think that Helm, uh, Hellman's right on the money where there's an argument to be in that fringe top five. But I think when you look at this Cowboys group, even being so top heavy with some question marks and probably in the depth areas of the skill positions, um, I think you have to comfortably fit them in the top set, 10. So I kind of understand where Mark and Bill are talking about and for dan and greg i'm kind of really scratching my head a little bit so i was going to ask who the second best skill position play on the team is but i think we all agree like down the line chalk it's brandon cooks right is that fair to say or does anybody think that luke schoomaker presents a greater threat or that tony pollard is a greater threat yeah. and then overall yeah. Yeah, no, i would say pollard is too okay so let's let's look at it from that angle then if we agree that tony pollard is the best Let's let's look at Sessler's list because you all like it the best. And again, I don't think it's a coincidence that it just happens to be the one that is highest on the Cowboys. But, you know, you guys can, you know, reckon with yourselves and look in the mirror after this. Um, the 49ers, Christian McCaffrey, better running back than Tony Pollard. I don't think that's a hot take. Cincinnati Bengals, is Joe Mixon a better running back than Tony Pollard? Does anybody believe that in their heart of hearts? No. Philadelphia Eagles, are we scared of DeAndre Swift? He was uh, BLG's vote for most overrated Eagle, by the way, um, on that episode. Miami Dolphins, pick one, and same for the Seahawks. Like, can can you pick a running back that Sessler has on these teams ahead of the Cowboys that is better than Tony Parr that isn't Christian McCaffrey? Can anybody do that? No, no. Actually, I would, can I you? Say, I would actually say the only thing is with Pollard, there there is some level of uncertainty there with him coming off the injury. If he's at his at his peak, he's clearly the best non McCaffrey of those group, those guys you just went through. But if there's any sort of you know, rust coming back from it. I think the Seahawks have, a, I think, a budding star in Kenneth Walker. He had a really good rookie year. Um, I think he could be at that level. But then again, you know, you you get into the conversation of how healthy is Pollard right now. So let's factor that in because this is part of the evaluation. Christian McCaffrey is an acknowledged one. How many running backs right now? You can forget contracts, forget everything. You can just trade Tony Pollard for straight up. Who's who's a running back you would do that for? That we admit Christian McCaffrey is one of them. Anybody Derek name one? Derrick Henry. Okay, so Derrick Henry, so there's Henry. two. The Titans are nowhere on this list, by the way, for anybody. Um, so, so that's two running backs. Anybody, Alvin Kamara? Anybody, like, you know, really jumping at that opportunity? Not really. 
Kenneth no. Walker? Like, is there a young running back? Nick Chubb, definitely, right? Like, there's there's another. There's yeah, three. I think yeah. Chubb, yeah. Right. So, Saquon, you're going to talk yourself into that? Like, you know, if, if we're playing the injury game, like, you know, no offense to Saquon. Uh, Brees Rick, Hall is a young running back who could end up being very good, too. Coming back from injury, though. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? True. Austin Eckler, uh, Rick posits. I would say no, personally. Um, I, you know. Austin Eckler is going to hate Kellen Moore, by the way. Like, we'll see how that, you know, ultimately works out. Uh, Jaja Binks says Jonathan Taylor. Anybody trading Tony Pollard for Jonathan Taylor straight up? I think I would. Uh, and Kevin offers B. John Robinson, which I think is fair, right? But, you know, whatever. So, again, we're talking about, like, maybe five running backs. And none of – except – excuse me, not none. One of them is on a team that is ranked ahead of the Cowboys here. By, like, if we look at Hans's – or, you know, Greg's list, because he has the Cowboys the lowest, just for, you know, example's sake. Christian McCaffrey is one that we all acknowledge. Who? What other running back on Greg's list of teams? We we said no to Alvin Kamara. There's, and I guess Bijan is too. So you're talking about if you're just playing math, right? Like if you're just playing law of averages, if you're ranking, you know, where these players line up, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, if Tony Pollard is the third best running back on Greg's list, at least, and I'm not coming for any of these guys, they're awesome. But you would think that the Cowboys would be higher than 15, right? doesn't this kind of kind of drive home the point of how maybe the media and the NFL feels as a whole about the running back position? Like there isn't much value to it and how they, they kind of address that. They're more worried about the wide receivers and the tight ends than the running backs. I would kick back at that and say that they all have the Niners number one. And a big reason for that is Christian McCaffrey. You know what I'm sure. saying? Like, And some of that is the way the running back is utilized, right? Like maybe, you know, they just don't believe that Tony Pollard is going to continue to be this weapon in the passing game. Chris, you're uh, either stretching your finger or raising your hand. No, I was raising it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I think that this whole running back conversation is a big reason why I'm not 100% willing to just say that the Eagles are far and wide better at a better as a skill position group than the Dallas Cowboys, especially now adding Brandon Cooks. I think if you were comparing last year's positional uh, group versus this year's, then I mean, like, obviously, but I think this year's, you know, I think that that running back differential of Tony Pollard all the way down to DeAndre Swift, and then um, adding that speed of Cooks, like, I think the Cowboys are very on pace right now with the Eagles. When it just comes to the skill positions, I think they have a better offensive line um, and I think that's Jalen Hurts, you know, I think he's better than Dak at the moment. I know that that's a really, you know, hard thing for Cowboys fans to hear and talk about. But um, so, yeah, so I think if you're just comparing the skill position aspect, I think that the Cowboys are actually really close with the Eagles. And I think the media doesn't share that same like like that same narrative. I think that where the Cowboys like have the the like advantage is their wide receiver three. Right. Like mm -hmm. all the, who's Phillies Alamid is the keyest, right? Is their third wide receiver right now? I mean, whereas the Cowboys is what we all hope is a resurgent Michael Gallup. Now there's an admitted question mark around that, but like it's arguable and debatable that CD Lamb and Brandon Kirk's kind of go shot for shot with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. Again, you know, maybe that leans in Philly's way right now, but uh, if there is regression of the mean, I picked AJ Brown as my most overrated Eagle. That was a really controversial thing. Um, but I mean, the, my point was like, he had 1500 yards and 11 touchdowns last year. Like that just seems so impossible to replicate again, especially when you have so many talented playmakers to feed the ball to. But I want to ask a, a stupid question, um, but we haven't had a round table in three weeks. We kind of got to get these like, you know, these bad ones out of the way. Um, so this is going to be weird, but you guys are the ones who have to deal with it. Who was the worst good skill position player on the Cowboys? So like, the question isn't who's the worst. So you can't be like, oh, like Sean McEwen. No offense to your boy, Tony. You know what I mean? But like, who is the worst good? You know, like if we if we like isolate the good ones, who's the worst one? So like, who's the, the bottom level that we're comparing to other teams' bottom level? Because I think that's an interesting way to kind of stack things up a little bit. Anybody want to volunteer? Tony, you raise your hand first. I would think it's, and it's probably why they get dinged a little bit, is the unknown of Jake Ferguson. I think Jake Ferguson can be a quality tight end in this league, and I'm bullish on Jake Ferguson. But if you're asking me to kind of look at Brandon Cooks, CeeDee Lamb, Tony Pollard, some of these other guys, like Jake Ferguson's the worst of that bunch right now. See, I disagree. I don't. I wouldn't put Jake in the good box yet. Really? I mean, dude, he had like 12 catches. Yeah, even he had like 12 targets last year. You know what I mean? We're like, we're really reaching for Jake Ferguson. I'm right? bullish. I'm telling you. There's a difference between bullish and like, you know, on an island and, and in outer space. You know what I mean? Like, that's where you're at. You know, you're I on mean, Pluto and you know, what used to be a planet. Does, does Ferguson count as being a good skill player yet? Because I know for me, I was banging the drum of taking tight end in the first round and everybody kept on coming back. And one of the things that people would say, you know, arguing against me was, why do we need to invest in a tight end? We already have Jake Ferguson as a young tight end and he looks so good. And I was like, 
do we though? Like, has, what has he actually shown? I mean, he he barely played most of the time when he was on the field. He was blocking, and he had a few good, really really good catches. He had that one play where he hurdled the guy. I mean, I can't lie that he had some flash moments, but I, I don't know if you can look at what he did in his rookie year and say he's ready to be number one on the depth chart at tight end right away. He to your point, Howman, just like to tie a bow on this, if if we flip the script, and Chris, you do a good job of this all the time, like if, if the roles were reversed and they were the Eagles and the Eagles were hyping up a player with Jake Ferguson's exact career experience, involvement, et cetera, it would be like, you losers, like this dude barely played and you're out here telling us that he's one of the best tight ends in the NFL. That would be stupid. Does anybody know? Because I have the answer. Does anybody know how many targets Jake Ferguson had? Do you want to guess, Chris? 16. Uh, Tony. 32. Howman. I think it's like 18. Um, Howman got the closest without going over. It was uh, actually Peyton Hendershot had 16. Uh, Jacob Ferguson barely edged him out with 22. 22 targets, 19 receptions, 174 yards, and two touchdowns. We're talking about 19 catches. It is the, the moliest molehill that we, we are making the mountainest mountain out of. Is that not fair to say, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, like I obviously was excited about uh, Jake Ferguson's, you know, um, his potential heading in. And I was kind of anti tight end. But I mean, I do acknowledge as well that he really doesn't have the experience to back that up. And I mean, we kind of are just going based off purely the talent and the athleticism. And I think and, and I think Cowboys are big on those like splashy, you know, flashy plays. And we saw him have that crazy hurdle and everyone lost their mind and all like he's a tight end of the future. I like Ferguson, but, you know, we we still need to see, you know, what he can really do. You know, like the jury's still out on him. Um, my answer for the worst good skill position player, I think I'd go Michael Gallup because I think, I think a lot of people still, I think a lot of people nationally like still know his name because of all those big catches that he's able to make and all that. But and he really, does it for the Cowboys, like yes, point, right? exactly, yeah. Um, but really, I mean, he, you know, I've been very outgoing that I don't want to completely, you know, just back off of Michael Gallup, you know, totally because I think that, you know, he was recovering from his injury, but his ability to create separation was really bad last season. He ranked them on the worst across the entire league. And he really wasn't that reliable. He wasn't really that reliable of a target. So I think right now my worst good skill position would be Gallup for that reason. Howman, who is your answer? Because I think the answer is Michael Gallup. Is it a three versus one army, us versus Tony? Like a Mario uh, Party three versus one game? I think there's a good argument to be made for Gallup. I think uh, I think Chris laid out a lot of that argument. Um, but the one thing for me that that really kind of detracts from him necessarily being the, the worst good skill position player is just talking about his separation. I mean, he's never really been a good separator throughout his career, even even when he was healthy. He's a really good contested catch guy, and he does really good on on those those deep passes. Um, the issue was last year he couldn't actually run those routes. He just didn't have didn't have the legs underneath him to go out and run those routes. And so they were trying a bunch of other things and it just wasn't really in his wheelhouse. So he wasn't really, I don't think he, physically he was able to succeed the way that he has been in the past, but I also think that he wasn't really done any favors by the coaching staff, which was probably one of the contributing factors to making a change in offensive coordinator. Um, so I think with Gallup, there's definitely a good argument to be made, but I'm actually going to go in a bit of a surprise and go with Tony Pollard um, because Ooh. I love Tony Pollard. I was so ecstatic that he, you know, got the kind of the kind of run that he had last year and that the coaching staff finally started trusting him a little bit more than Ezekiel Elliott because he clearly has more juice. But at the same time, you're talking about a position just across the NFL where, you know, the, the players are going out of the NFL faster. They're, they're lasting a lot less. And they're getting hurt more and having more serious injuries. And that's contributing to the fact that so many of them don't last that long is because it's a very physical position. And so now you have Tony Pollard, who's, you know, everything that has made him great has been his explosiveness, his speed, his ability to get to the edge and make those big home run plays. And now he's coming off of a pretty serious injury and, and big surgery. And we haven't seen him once since then in terms of what he's actually physically capable of doing. So, you know, it, it really worries me because someone who's that reliant on their just pure athleticism and speed coming off of an injury like that, who knows what you're going to get afterwards. And it's really the unknown for me that makes me question, is this still going to be Tony Pollard as we know him? Or is he now going to be 
one of the highest paid running backs in the NFL who's not as productive as he once was. Okay, so that was really, really beautifully well done. Um, the answers got progressively better. So no offense to Tony and Chris, but that's just <laughs> that's the way that question shook out. Um, Tony, just so you know, we, we took a few weeks off, but things still you know kind of march to the same beat around here. Uh, so a See quick that. little tangent. Matsumata, thank you for the super chat. It says, hi and welcome back, y'all. On those four crap lists, it is fashionable in the national sports media to always downplay America's most popular team. Our 2022 playoff performance plus offseason moves makes us top five to eight period. I think that that encapsulates all of our points, not to call any list crap because, you know, we've all made some bad lists. One of us here, you know, made a list that didn't include Leighton Vanderish. That was the final 53 man roster at the beginning of last season. Again, no need to, no need to point name or point fingers or name names. Um, You know, that's just, that's not my style. I'm not, I'm not one to like, you know, put somebody on blast on the round table. I I would never do that. Um, So I want to, I want to like poke at this insecurity because I think, I think that's what just happened here. Hammond. I think you kind of like, you know, we've, we've been really kind of vibing this offseason, and I think you really just kind of ruined that in a little bit of a way. Because when I asked you all who's the second best, you know, skill position player on the Cowboys, everybody said Tony Pollard, you yourself included. And now you're saying he's the worst good one. So you're saying the Cowboys only have two good skill position players, and we all know CeeDee Lamb is number one? No, I, I actually think Cooks. I, I was shaking my head yes when you said Cooks was. Okay, okay. The so then you think, you think Pollard is third on that list. So you, you still think he's the worst, but you think that 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 Cooks is second behind CD. I I think that this skill position group is just riddled with uncertainty right now, um, which is what happens when you have a couple of guys that have had injuries in the last couple of years, and then someone that you brought in that hasn't played with the, with the team yet. Um, but I I mean I think obviously we know what CD Lamb is, and for the most part, like we know what Brandon Cooks is. There's obviously just the uncertainty of how he'll actually fit in and mesh with the team. And you don't know that until you actually see it happen. Um, but then after that, I think most people would agree that the two other known commodities are Gallup and Pollard. And both of those guys, you know, with Pollard, he's coming directly off an injury with Gallup. You know, he obviously was not himself last year. Then he, I mean, even just talking about coming off of injuries, he didn't have an injury, but he had another knee scope after the season ended. So he had another procedure on his leg that doesn't seem like it's that serious, but it's still, you know, in terms of, you know, actual medical procedures, he's coming off another one this season. So there's just a lot of uncertainty with this skill group. There's definitely reason to be positive reasons that, you know, very good reasons for having them in that top five fringe area group. Um, But in terms of what we actually know right now, there's really only two guys I feel super positive about. Well, then that doesn't that make some of these lists a little bit more understandable, right? Like you just said yourself, there's only two dudes who you can kind of like, you know, put down, mark down. We'll, we'll revisit this point. But that that I think, you know, kind of adjusts, you know, how we view these lists, these crap lists, so to speak. You know what I mean? So, Tony, I want to set you up with a, a conversation that's happening in the comments section. While Hama was speaking, Kevin said the right answer is Pollard. We are counting on a guy to carry the workload that has shown he doesn't have the ability to carry the ball 20 plus times a game. I think we all would push back a little bit at the idea of the carries and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but Kevin did give Howman five points. So I don't know if you know you think that's cool or not. Um, now, Rick says uh, that there are only three good skilled players, Dak, Pollard, and CD. Um, Watsamata asked if Rick was leaving Brandon Cooks off of the list. So that being said, Tony, are the only good ones, you know, CD, Cooks? Because you said Pollard was number two. And Hellman, just kind of speaking of crap, just kind of crapped all over Pollard in a whole, you know, different way. So, like, if what this leads me to believe, the conversation that you three are having along with the commenters is if Brandon Cooks is not that dude, then, like, this season could not be the, you know, hype that we've been kind of expecting for the last few months. I'm a little nervous with the with the Brandon Cooks hype, to be honest with you, because, I mean, I, I know people are excited and I'm one of those. I think we've gotten better at the wide receiver room, but I think people are expecting something from Brandon cooks that like is going to be like astronomical. And I don't know if that's really the right way to describe it, but for him to all of a sudden step in and be like the second best skill player to me, doesn't really ring true. Like I, I still think that Tony Pollard is that guy. We saw what it looked like when he wasn't in the 49ers game. We saw when he was getting touches throughout the season, he was an explosive guy, um, whether it was out of the backfield with a pass or running the football. And I, I, I wouldn't, I would push back against his numbers with him without his production. I actually put a tweet out about it today. Like he's only carried the ball 12 times, you know, on average per game once in his career and it was last year and it was his best year. So I don't think 
what we've seen from Tony Pollard is even close to the best we have. And, you know, and as far as injuries go, I know, you know, running back is tough, but what he had last year feels like a freak injury, right? I don't think that's something that would put him in a box where I'm nervous. I understand that coming back from that is, is going to be touch and go a little bit, but from all things that we hear through from Dallas Cowboys is that they're just holding the back of his own good. And he's going to be cleared to go for training camp. So I think I'm a little less worried about Tony Pollard's injury than some other people there are, but I feel like there's a lot of wagon being hitched to Brandon Cooks here, and I'm a little nervous about it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, well, well, you've got all the wagons hitched to Jake Ferguson that like balance everything out. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I just want to be clear on that real quick. <laughs> Are we all? So I just I think you guys said this, but you guys aren't saying Jake Ferguson isn't good. So you just he's not a bad good player. He's just bad to you guys. Just because you're not really good mean. doesn't mean you're bad. You know what I'm saying? I like, think it's a like, volume and production issue because he only got 30 receptions less than Dalton Schultz last year. And Dalton Schultz is like a productive starting tight end. If he's given the same volume, I don't see why he couldn't kind of mask that or be that what Dalton Schultz is. Schultz also missed a few games with injury, so that affected sure. his, his total volume. Wow. Drag but like, him. What, 50, drag him. 53 receptions and five touchdowns. I think Jake Ferguson can do that. Like without they, being like still with the team though. They they saw what he did and they said you, you there's the door. So, th- so there's the floor. Houston and have fun there. Yeah, <laughs> but at the end, wow. I mean, at the end of the day, like, I mean, what do we expect, Jake Ferguson? If he's tight end one, uh, is it going to be thirty-five reception and three touchdowns? Okay. Like, I don't know. We're Tony, I want to get. The- I want to get to Chris's point on this, but before I, I want to finish this. So let's look at these lists. How, uh, pick the list you want. How many tight ends of the teams involved here is Jake Ferguson better than? Like, find the team that Jake Ferguson is a better tight end than than theirs. Like, and, and again, and this is a horrible question for the, the podcast audience because we're looking at lists here. But, like, the, the names generally, he he's not a better tight end than anybody. The Niners, the Eagles, the Dolphins, even the Raiders. The Raiders have, like, 100 tight ends now. Or, you know, the he, he, like, Jake Ferguson might not even be the best tight end on his team. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's, that's a real possibility that he's not, like, who, who is the tight end here that you are like, oh, Jake Ferguson joins that team. He is the starter in that room. Does it ultimately matter? Because we we just agree. Yes, that Tony that's the Pollard's whole point a, of the, of the roundtable tonight. <laughs> Tony Paul is a top. Th- we said Tony Paul was a top three to five running back in all of these teams, and they still got us in the teens. So, I mean, is tight end worth more than the running back? I think we both agree the running back and tight end well, is probably the most disposable the position four of us. There. And the commenters are kind of evaluating how we feel, where we would rank the skill position groups. And yeah. this is a part of that. So, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like, if Jake Ferguson is not a weapon, a part of the supporting cast that any of these teams would sign up for, like, doesn't – isn't that kind of indicative of something? I mean, I mean, if you're going to put him against Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews, they're like, I mean, what are we talking about? But, but like, that doesn't mean that he couldn't be productive and good. Like, just because he's in year two coming off of – 22 receptions doesn't mean that like he isn't a, a you know good he's not even we can't even classify him as a good bad you know what i mean he can't even be bad good you know i don't know it's just obviously he's not in that tier i'm not going to play that game because that's silliness but at the same time I, I it's okay to be bullish on him and understand that he's probably like just by the law of numbers is going to be better than he was last year well, yeah, the numbers were microscopic. You know what I mean? Like he, he's gonna walk out of bed and be better than he was last year. So you we know have what I'm saying? one productive player out of the entire running back and tight end room, completely. I mean, we have one known commodity out of out those of nine two players. Rooms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's the, I don't. So then, think Greg, that's a... so Greg and these guys aren't far off if they got us middle of the pack. Chris, jump in, save us. You know, all take I want to say. I mean, all I want to say is that if that's true and we really are in the teens, then then a lot more respect nationally has to go to Dak Prescott because you can't be in the teens at the skill positions and also be up. You can't also be up in the top with the uh, top offenses in the league 
and also have a bad quarterback. So it's got to be either one or the other then in that situation. So or, I think, or Mike McCarthy to that point, right? Because like, like the takes you here are like the, yeah. the supporting cast sucks, the quarterback sucks, the play caller sucks, the head coach sucks. Like, well, then why Something are they winning all these games? Good. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I said that on the podcast um, on Monday. I'm like, why is why are we the measuring stick for all these teams if we're middle of the pack? Like if everybody on a team stinks and we're, we don't have good players and we're not good, then why does everybody measure their skill guys versus our skill guys? Chris, I want to ask you a question. Like, let's stay negative for a second, and then we'll get positive. If you presume the most practical negative hypotheticals, right? Like Tony Pard has some sort of issues from the injury. Jake Ferguson doesn't take the seismic light year size leap that Tony thinks he's going to, right? Like, you know, whatever. Like, where do the Cowboys stack up then? Then, like, you can kind of see them being like, you know, they, they can similarly to Jake Ferguson, they can walk out of bed and be better than like what Arizona's throwing out there. I think even Denver, like, I think the thought that like, oh, Denver's roster is perfect, I think that really aged poorly. Like, they're better than a lot of teams no matter what they do, just because of CD Lamb's presence. But like, yeah. where do they rank if some of these things don't land well? Yeah. So, I mean, I think right now, if everything goes perfectly and like, let's say everyone's hitting everything and everyone's in stride, I think they're undoubtedly in that top six, seven conversation. Let's say a couple of these players who are banking on maybe Jake Ferguson, maybe Tony Pollard doesn't have that same burst or explosiveness that we're used to. And I think it drops to maybe that 11, 12 spot. You know, I can see a lot of other teams jumping, you know, um, jumping ahead of them. But I mean, honestly, going back to the whole Brandon Cooks conversation a little bit ago, I don't necessarily think that Brandon Cooks has to come in and be like the superstar you know, gets 150 plus yards per game for him to really be a big impact. I think just him being out there on the field is going to be a big impact for our true superstar and CD lamb, you know, you know, like they're gonna have to put a lot of defensive attention on him. And I think last year it was really like, Oh, is Dalton covered? Okay. Well then what well, then shoot, I don't know who to throw it to if, you know, CD's not open. So, you know, it was kind of like, you know, um, outside of CD, I didn't feel like there were a lot of reliable targets last season. So and Dak really did focus on him a lot. So I think that just having Brandon Cooks, a speedster, having a guy, having a guy who can stretch the field and kind of take the defense's attention is going to help CeeDee Lamb. And I think it's going to take the offense as a whole. So I think that that acquisition is really good. And I wouldn't really consider him one of those like bad, good players per se. Hmm. Okay. So let's do this. By the way, Troy says, yeah, Tony, get it together. LOL. It's, it's, you know, we're having a good show when I'm the negative one. <laughs> Um, but I'm perceived to be the negative one. <laughs> I don't know, because you are like one end or the other, Tony. Like you're either like, you know, Mr. Bullish or you're Chicken Little, as we've discussed a few times. You know what I'm saying? So and we're all kind of, you know, I actually think we're the negative ones. And like, you know, you're the one like hyping up and gassing up Jake Ferguson here. So, you know, this this is a unique episode. It's a good one to kind of come back from. So, OK, let's do the the box question that Tony didn't like Jake being excluded from. The box of good players includes who? CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks. Tony Pollard. Anybody else deserve a spot in the box? Again, skill positions only. So Dak is not involved here. Nobody's no, going to make the argument. It really sounds Who's... like to me that we need to go pursue DeAndre Hopkins. It <laughs> sounds like we need some more skill positions. <laughs> who's, who's first man out the club? Who, who's the first guy out? Chris, by your logic, you said that Michael Gallup was the worst good player. So you, yeah. you do have Michael Gallup in the box. I think when Michael Gallup is fully healthy and I think he's closer to what we saw a couple of seasons ago, I think that he is definitely a good player. And I think he's an incredible wide receiver three if he gets back to that because that's really where he thrives, you know, and he was considered one of the best wide receiver threes in the league when he was behind Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. So if he can kind of get back to that same production, I think he's definitely a good player. I think he's one of the best threes in the entire NFL. And I think that that's kind of what, what gives the Cowboys this boost on that rankings list. Cause not a lot of these skill position groups, like sure the Dolphins have two of the fastest players in the league and Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, but who's their wide receiver three, you know? So Cedric I, Wilson, the disrespect. Yeah, Cedric, Wilson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cedric Wilson. I mean, I, so yeah, so I think that he's definitely a good player, but I think he would have to be the first man out of that. You know, look, you know, I think, I think he'd have to be the first man out of that club just based off of what we saw last year as it was definitely the worst season of his career in terms of his production. But I, I really am hopeful that he bounces back. Tony, I want to ask you something. And I, we've kind of had some fun about the Jake. Fer like, we all love Jake Ferguson, to be very clear. Like, I don't want this to get spent, spun into like we hate Jake Ferguson the way that Hellman hates Leighton Vanderish. Um, But so that being said, Tony, if Jake Ferguson is in your good box, then there have to be a lot of people in the box. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like. I, I I can't believe that, like, it's C.D., Pollard, Cooks, and Jake Ferguson. 
Well, to be clear, you asked the question like, who's the 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 worst good player? So I literally think he's the worst guy who can be good. You know what I mean? So like that that was the literal answer I was going for. So I think Jake Ferguson's going to be good, but even if this all comes out and I'm right, he's going to be the worst of the bunch. It's pretty optimistic. Okay, let's get optimistic as a whole. Um, I I think you've been optimistic, Tony. So I don't I don't know why you said you're being negative. We all agree. Whoever's in the box or not, um, Brad Pitt is proud of this episode, um, that the skill position group is much better than it was a year ago. So that being said, this is the new question. This is the best Dallas Cowboys skill position group since when? You can answer that question however you'd like. You can pick a year. You can pick a time. You can pick a week. You can pick a date. You can pick a latitude and longitude set of coordinates. You can do whatever you want here. But to be clear, we're talking about CD land. And what we're talking like general, not like starters, but like players who are utilized. So like, no offense, Sean McEwen. You're not really involved here. No offense, Rico Dottle. You're not really involved here. Like, we're talking about the list of players who will have scored touchdowns for this team at the end of the year and not in the meaningless Week 18 game in Philadelphia at the end of the 2021 season where Zeke got his 1,000 yards. So we're talking CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup. Suppose you could throw Jalen Tolbert in that mix. If you want to throw Samifa Hoko, you can. Jake Ferguson, Luke Schoonmaker, Peyton Hendershot, Tony Pollard. Let's go Ronald Jones and Deuce Vaughn. That is the group that we are working with. It is the best since when. Tony. October 22nd, 2018, when they traded for Amari Cooper. Wait a minute. So you're saying that they have not they added they're better? Cooks. They're better now than they have been at any time since then. That's like we're looking for the last time they were better than this, okay. is my question. The day okay. that they're better than when they traded. So they, they were comparative to me when Amari Cooper got traded. They're better than the moment they traded him to the Cleveland Browns. Like they've been trying to get back to this ever since that trade. So, it, so yeah, so the beginning of last offseason is your question. Like, so sure. the 2021 season, the loss to the San Francisco, the Dak Prescott uh, QB draw play is your answer. When they were talking about we can have two 1,000 rushers and two 1,000 receivers talking about CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, like that was about as good as I felt it was going to be. I'm close to that feeling now. And that's even with me being, I guess, somewhat downer on Brandon Cooks than most people are. Okay. Um, Chris. Yeah, I was going to say, honestly, this is the best offense we've had since 2021. 2021 was a really good offensive year. I mean, you had Prescott. He had nearly uh, 4,500 passing yards. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott had over 1,000 rushing yards. He Lamb had over 1,000 receiving yards. You still had Amari Cooper. You had, you know, a great Dalton Schultz at the time. Gallup was good. You know, like, you know, like Pollard was, was showing that explosion. They had um, 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 they led the league in points per game with 31 points per game at that time period. I mean, yeah, they were averaging 124 rushing yards per game. They were averaging 291 passing yards per game. I mean, that, I mean, 2021, I don't really think that, that this offense really compares to that offense, but I do think that this defense is better than that defense. Halman, I think the question is, do you believe current CD lamb and current Brandon Cooks and, you know, hopefully resurgent Michael Gallup are better than second-year C.D. Lamb at the time Michael Gallup, which was probably a superior version to this year's Michael Gallup at the moment at least, and Amari Cooper in what was his fourth season with the Cowboys in 2021? Um, no, I, I don't think they're better than that group. I think that 2021 group of skill players was was the best that the Cowboys have had Um like, like better than 2022, better than the group heading into 2023. Because um, not only were the receivers really, really good, um, we also, I mean, Dalton Schultz ended up, that was that was uh, after he, he kind of had his breakout season and, and you knew that he had, was suddenly, he was a more reliable pass catching threat. You knew what you had um, for the most part in both Zeke and Pollard and, and, we knew what we all kind of knew except for the Cowboys front office that Zeke was on the decline, but he was still able to put up some productive, uh, some productive football. And they kind of had a, a good thing going with how they utilized both him and Pollard. Obviously we wanted more of Pollard, but it really all just kind of coalesced into a very, very good offense. And, you know, they had some issues down the stretch, namely starting with that Broncos game. And then there were some issues about, Oh, like did Vic Fangio solve the offense? Did he, did he create a blueprint? Things like that. And um, you know, I think that was probably a little bit overblown. But overall, that offense was just very, very potent, and everything was was clicking. Everybody was on the same page until they got to 
the playoffs had to play the 49ers had to go up against that incredible defense. But um, I don't think that they were, they had a better skill position group last year. I don't think that they have a better one this year. Although I do think they've improved from what they had in 2022 by a, a significant margin. Okay. So then that helps kind of contextualize things for us a little bit. I think 2021 is kind of the answer. Tony, you, you got there in a weird way, but you got there. Yeah, Chris got there and then Hellman got there. So we're all here now. We all understand. So this is the final question and you're all, um, I won't tell you where you're at, but you're close. Like, you know, it's still anybody's game, even yours, Tony. Um, so this is the question. Who are the teams that you absolutely believe have a better skill position group than the Cowboys? I don't want to hear where the Cowboys rank, but so we'll put the list up on the screen one more time. Who are the teams that you, you're like, yeah, I'm not even going to debate this. Like the, the teams you're willing to wave the white flag against. Tony. 49ers for sure. Okay. Like they, there had to be more than one. Like, 49ers, Philadelphia one. Eagles. Um, Bengals definitely, I think, have a more complete wide receiver core. Um, I mean, I would. So if for me, for definitively, I would say the 49ers, Eagles, without question. And the Bengals or no. I wouldn't put – I had to talk myself out of the Bengals. I'm going to say Eagles so, and 49ers for so, a certainty. So you're saying the highest you could debate the Cowboys into would be third? I think there's a conversation to be had. You know, we had it with the Dolphins. We can have a conversation about how deep the Bengals are outside of wide receiver. Um, the Vikings, I mean, outside of Justin um, Jefferson, the, the question marks that running back. I, I, as I go down the list, I mean – the Chiefs are the Pat Mahomes show. The Bills, we know, don't really have a great supporting cast. Like, there's a real conversation to be had about most of these teams. Uh, Chris, Kevin offers the Eagles, the Niners, the Eagles again, uh, the Bengals, the Chiefs, and the Jaguars. Uh, the Chiefs, again, I agree with Tony. They are Patrick. They have Travis Kelsey and then, like, dudes. You know what I mean? No offense to anybody else there. Uh, I know we were all big Sky Moore fans, but, like, it's Travis Kelsey and then just, like, whoever else is open. Um, so that being said, who are the teams? Do you agree with Tony or would you add anybody else to that list? So I, Hellman, can you nod, please? How, uh, Niners and Eagles, obviously, are ahead for you. Hellman's not. not okay, right, we'll come to Hellman in a minute. I'm excited about this. Okay, Chris. I actually don't have the Eagles either. Um, I think it's really just the Chiefs and the Bengals. I don't think the Eagles' offensive skill position You put the Chiefs is, ahead. Oh, no. Um, I meant to say the 49ers and the Bengals. My bad. My bad, my okay. bad. I said the wrong thing. I got 49ers and the Bengals. That's who I have. I think the Bengals just have such a potent wide receiver group. I think T. Higgins is a wide receiver one on really any other team outside of a team with Jamar Chase and maybe, you know, not on the Vikings or, you know, you know, I still think that he's a wide receiver one caliber player. He's just not better than, you know, those elite top five wide receivers. And I'm still high on Joe Mixon. I think he's a really great running back. And and I just think that they overall I think that the Bengals and the 49ers are the only two undoubtable like in my opinion, I don't think the Eagles are just just completely no questions asked a better skill position group than the Cowboys right now because I have questions about their running game. And I think okay. the Cowboys adding Brandon Cooks kind of makes their wide receiver core kind of get a little bit more interesting. So you and Tony agree on the Niners. He's got the Eagles. You've got the Bengals. So you both have the Cowboys as high as three. With your, with your best argument, your best case that you can present to the class – you both got the Cowboys as high as three. Hellman, same question. Yeah. for At first, when you first started asking the question, I was going to say 49ers, Bengals, Eagles. But then you framed it specifically as best-case scenario, someone you wouldn't even put up a fight. And that's where, for me, I ended up dropping it down to just the 49ers. Because I think the way that they've they've put this team together now with, with these skilled players, like I said before, there's a lot of uncertainty. But there's also, I think, a lot of potential like Brandon Cooks has been around the league for a long time now. We know exactly what he is. He He's a very good fit for what this offense needs. We know how good CeeDee Lamb can be. Um, we know what Michael Gallup can be when he's healthy. We know what Tony Pollard can be when he's healthy. And, you know, looking past those guys, I mean, Jalen Tolbert, a lot of people were high on him coming out of the draft. I think I, I still don't really know what exactly happened in his rookie year to make them lose any and all confidence and even having him out on the field. It doesn't make sense to me, but, the talent is still there and all the interviews he's done, it seems like mentally he's ready to take the next step. So if, if everything's hitting right, like if that means like Jalen Tolbert actually looks good and he can be on the field and he can be that wide receiver for, if everything's hitting right, it means like Jake Ferguson is maybe not being as good as Tony thinks, because I don't think that's even in the realm of possibility, but he's, he's at least good. Uh, Luke Schoonmaker ends up, you know, being one of the more productive tight ends out of this rookie class in year one and you know you 
if everything is hitting right, like you're saying, they've got some real talent. And more importantly, I think they have real speed on this offense, which they haven't had in a couple of years. And that's really what is reigning supreme. And so I think if everything does go right for them, you have a case for being better than the Eagles. You have a case for being better than the Bengals. Um, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say that better than the 49ers, but then of course that also comes up with, with one of the weaknesses of just looking at the skill players is there's two really huge factors we're ignoring, which is quarterback play and the impact of your play caller and how good they can make up for certain deficiencies in these things. Okay. So before I offer my list or my answer here, um, Tony, Chris, do either one of you want to change? How many got to hear both of you before making his list? So you want to, neither of you wants to remove the Bengals or the Eagles or add no. the Bengals or Eagles vice versa. You're good. You're holding. I'm good. I'm comfortable. Yeah. Okay. I think, um, so we, we all admit the Niners are our daddies, right? Like we're all afraid of the Niners. Like the Niners are on my list too. Like it's fine. It sucks. Whatever. Um, I agree with you, Chris. I'm hesitant to put the Eagles there. I think if anything, there's might, might be a push sort of situation. Um, I'm with you, Tony on just kind of being a little bit out on the Bengals. I don't buy Joe Mixon as much. Sorry, Chris. I get your point a little bit, Hellman, on the Niners being the only one. If I, like, I guess I'm changing the question now, which I've never done in the history of the roundtable. But, like, if you – I'll change the question let you each answer it before I do. If you could trade the Cowboys supporting cast for any one of these. We all acknowledge the Niners are one. So, Tony, would you trade with the Eagles? I'd have a conversation about it, honestly. I, they're deeper at tight end. Um, I, I really do enjoy their top two wide wow, receivers. deeper at tight end. Coming from Mr. Ferguson. Yeah. I'm also I'm real. It's almost it's funny how that works. <laughs> um <laughs> but then yeah, I, I actually I like DeAndre Swift. Um I'm I, I do agree that he's overrated. I do think that he can be productive, but I think as a whole, I think they do have a, a deeper supporting cast. Okay, so then your answer like kind of is unlocked if you would consider trading with the Eagles. Chris, would you yeah. trade with the Bengals? Yes. That I would. includes your I mean you're you're upgrade, no offense to CD Lamb, you're upgrading, right? to Jamar Chase yeah. and then everything else that you get with that. I mean and then you're upgrading to make that, that wide receiver too as well. And I think the running back's kind of close. Like I I would take Pollard heading forward, but I think it's close. And I think that that's a compliment to Joe Mixon. I don't think that that's, you know, a negative to Tony Pollard. I think Joe, I think Joe Mixon's also very, you know, you know, I think he's a very good running back as well. And honestly, like, I think that one of the biggest weaknesses on the uh, Bengals current uh on the current offense would be their tight end position. And that's kind of the same situation that we're at right now too. So, I mean, if you're asking me what I would like to upgrade the wide receiver one and the wide receiver two, and I think the wide receiver three with Tyler Boyd, and then you're also, you know, kind of getting a push at running back. I mean, yes, I would do that. Uh, Tony, Kevin has given you five points uh, because you said Ferguson was the worst best player. So it makes sense that you would take someone else's tight end. So Tony, <laughs> Congrats, your your logic is lining up. Um, so, Hamlin, is there anybody besides San Francisco that you would trade skill position groups with? Then, um, I, I would I would trade with the Eagles mostly just because, like they're they're more known commodities. Like we've seen this group for the most part. You know, the, the running back is a question, but we've seen, you know, AJ Brown and, and Devontae Smith. We've seen what Dallas Goddard can do. Um, and then, just to make things interesting, I was also thinking I would consider. Not necessarily say pull the trigger and trade, but trading consider trading with the Jaguars, who I think are way too low on all these lists. I think they're probably in that same kind of tier of the Cowboys in terms of their skill players. I think they've got a lot of really good players to where, similar to the Cowboys, if everything goes right, they could be having a really great offense with what they have there in Jacksonville. But that's not necessarily one I'm like, pull the trigger on definitely, but it's definitely something I would consider. Okay, so then we all would trade with San Francisco. Tony, you would you would talk to the Eagles. Chris, you would talk to the Bengals. And Hammond, you would talk to the Jaguars. Nobody would talk to anybody else before I give my answer here. Chris, I wouldn't I wouldn't do this, but I think one team that we're like kind of like sleeping on. Like, if you're really trading, are we talking about like future standpoint as well? Like, or are we just talking about we're trying to win right now, right? You know, right now. Right we're already now. in in a lot of like made up land territory. Okay. So like the, <laughs> like the deeper down the okay. rabbit hole we go, it, it gets a little bit more confusing, but you know, take the question where you want. Okay. I was going to say, I think it would be fair to consider the Atlanta Falcons. I know that that's my, you know, it may, you know, it may be mind blowing, but Cal Pitts was a prodigy tight end prospect and he's not really been given a fair chance in Atlanta. I don't think, and you're getting B. John Robinson, who I also think, is going to be a really good running back throughout at least his London. contract. 
Drake London has a lot of potential and skill. I'm not saying that I would do it, especially now, you know, trying to win right now at this very moment. Like I wouldn't do it in this situation, but I think we, if you, I think if you walked into the office the and the Cowboys had done it, you'd be like, you wouldn't be mad. You'd be like, okay. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, you know, I can survive this. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Tony, uh, it seems like you want to add someone to your list. Yeah. It's, I wouldn't do this. I'm just giving them the props that they probably deserve. I, I feel like we haven't mentioned the, the chargers enough. Oh, I, I I like Austin Eckler. I like Keenan Allen. I like Mike Williams. Added Quentin Johnson. Uh, the tight ends, uh, you know, apparently they don't matter. And if um <laughs> if Jake Ferguson stinks, then uh you know then we're okay with um who do they got? I'm trying to see who they got. They got um sorry Gerald Everett. So I think if Gerald Everett's the the worst tight end, he's got to be better than Jake Ferguson. You guys is mine, right? So um so I think there's an argument to be made for the Chargers. Um, I would not trade with the Chargers. I get Chris's point of like, you know, if you're, you know, if you're really selling for or selling and you want some upside, like I could see the Falcons. I do think there's a team that nobody has mentioned that I would, I don't know that I would trade, but like I would, I would maybe trade like six out of 10 times. Like I wouldn't do it a lot and you know, but I would do it the majority. I would trade with the Seahawks. I, I would absolutely really think about that. Like if you're telling me, like, who cares about the tight end, to your point, Tony? But if you're telling me I can get DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Kenneth Walker, I mean, like, and who, who uh, was it, Zach Charbonnet that they drafted to? I mean, like, I, I'm in love. I, I'm completely and totally in love with the Seahawks. Like, that, I would really, really, they're the only team outside of the Niners that I would really think hard about. I mean, besides the Eagles and Bengals and whatever. But, you know, is that fair? Anybody have a thought on that? I mean, that's fair. I think that's fair. I think it's fair. You always make good points, RJ. Thank you. Uh, Halman knows how to play the game. Okay, it's closing statement time. We've never really done this, but it's just your chance to kind of sell the crowd, sell me. I'll consider fan interaction, common interaction as far as who should win. You are close enough to where if, if you pull some points right now, you could take it home. In fact, I'll show you right now. Tony has 55 points. Chris and Halman have 54. I've boxed them. So that's where we're at. So final point opportunity. Chris, you're up. Oh man, put me on the spot. All right. Well, well if you want to win. You gotta, you gotta I do, rise I do. the occasion. I, I want to win. Yeah. No, I'm gonna perform under pressure. Um. So, our offense. I think our offense has top three potential, and I think that our offense is is really good on paper. I think Tony Pollard is going to be great. I think the wide receiver core is going to be much improved. I think that we still have plenty of cap space, though. Go crazy. Go all in this one year. If you're worried about the running back position, if Tony Pollard is a is a uh, you know whatever and go out Brings and get a Dalvin back. Cook. No, wow. no, don't bring it back. Go out and get a Dalvin Cook. If you're worried about the wide receiver depth, if you're worried about Jalen Tolbert because he's from South Alabama and all these different questions and all these you know you know like all these concerns, go out and get DeAndre Hopkins on a one year deal. It's not going to hurt the future. It's not going to hurt signing players long term for future extensions. Go all in. But I think if everything pans out just right, the offense is going to be better, especially because we got rid of Kellen Moore. The wide receivers are going to have more ability to have better routes and have a better route concept and not just running curl routes every single play. So I think the offense is going to be better. I think that we are going to play really well. And I think that we are going to win the NFC this year. That's what I'm going to go with. That's my uh, Troy, Troy. Troy said that Simi ripped up camp last year and was a matchup nightmare for all our cornerbacks. Remember when Simi destroyed Trayvon Diggs at training camp and the Eagles fans lost their mind about it. Um, so good times. Uh, Chris, you mentioned the word pressure, which I liked. So you get to pick who goes next. And you have to tell us why you're picking that person. Well, uh, I see that I just got plus 420 points in the comment section. So <laughs> I think that that means I'm the winner. I might as well get my speech ready right now. But I'm going to go, since I'm selecting the next person, I'm going to select Tony because I did say that he was going to lose to me tonight. So I'm going to give him the chance to try and follow, you know, I'm going to give him the chance to try and follow me up. So. All right. Well, uh, you know, so looking at it, I, I want to look at it position by position. Okay. At, at some points last year, we had uh, no Brown as our wide receiver too. Brandon cooks is here now. Obvious upgrade. When you kick Michael Gallup down to wide receiver three, I don't, you know, with injury, with whatever, you know, he's going to look like now. Don't love him as a two, but I absolutely love Michael Gallup as a wide receiver three. And as somebody who is a card-carrying member of the Ezekiel Elliott fan club, we absolutely got addition by subtraction here. So adding Tony Pollard, making him the workhorse back, I love that we have what we have there. 
uh, I think Dalton Schultz and his production can easily be, you know, taken up. I, I know it's, I talked big about Jake Ferguson, so he better make me look good, but I think the addition of him and Luke Schoonmaker in the development of Peyton Hendershot, there is some real um, juice there at the tight end position that we just haven't really seen yet, but I, but I, I'm encouraged by it. Um, ultimately, I think this team is deeper. It's better skilled than we have seen in, a, in you know, obviously since 2021. Um, there's a lot of things that were fluky or um, just not right last year. And with the added talent, with a different approach this offseason, or at least it felt different, I feel really good about this Cowboys offense. And I know we had talked about, you know, where are they, 15 and the top five, top 10. It doesn't matter. I, I think they're squarely in the top 10 in the conversation in the top five, and the Cowboys offense is going to uh, – Probably surprised a lot of people, but probably not us. Okay. Um, we hadn't mentioned the addition by subtraction that Zeke was. That was an interesting point by you, Tony. How many that leaves you? Yeah, I mean, really all that this this whole conversation made me think about was how in the beginning, RJ mentioned how it, we all feel better about this skill player group than we did last year because last year we were all upset about Amari Cooper being traded. And honestly, all I kept thinking about throughout this whole time was I'm still upset about the Amari Cooper trade. I mean, you, you had a really great receiver in Amari Cooper. You had a receiver in CeeDee Lamb coming into his own. You had Michael Gallup, who was – I mean, there was a point where people were saying, like, Michael Gallup is a number one wide receiver. He's just number three for us. Like, why would you break that up? And, you know, now that we've been talking about where the Cowboys skill group ranks among all these different teams, for me, what I really come back to is – they're, they're kind of in that top five fringe range, like we kind of said at the beginning. But a lot of that really is just because across the NFL, there's a whole lot of teams that don't have like elite, great uh, skill player groups. That's why like the 49ers, it's so easy to put them at the top because they're so clearly head and shoulders above the rest. The, the Eagles and Bengals have really stockpiled their assets well. And then after that, it's kind of like, well, you know, who, who do you really like? I mean, the Cowboys have CeeDee Lamb. We know he's one of the top receivers out there. That already puts them into the top 10 conversation. We know Brandon Cooks, what he can do, what he can produce at when he's you know, playing at his top level, when he has a good quarterback, which he has not had for a couple of years. Um, so that right there gets you into the top 10. But then you're then like with most teams you're talking about, well, if if all these things break right, if, if Tony Pollard's healthy, if Michael Gallup's healthy, if Luke Schoonmaker comes out of nowhere and proves people right, um, you know, it, it, it's all projection. It's all uncertainty. And that's why for me, it just comes back to, well, if they didn't trade Amari Cooper, then you already have Amari Cooper. You have CD lamb. And then maybe you still add Brandon Cooks. Maybe, maybe not, who knows, but that's just one less level of uncertainty. That's, that's why you shouldn't be in the business of trading away good players, especially if you're trading them away for nothing. So, um, you know, and, and clearly they learned their lesson, which is why they went out and, traded for Brandon Cooks. I think that was a good move and it does definitely take them up a notch. It brings them into that level, but we're still caught in the point of saying, well, they need a few things to go their way for them to really break up into that top five and cement themselves as the top five group. But I think really what it comes down to at the end of the day is going to be the, the two things we're not talking about here is quarterback play and is Mike McCarthy calling plays again actually going to work out and and be at the level that it was at, at the heights of Green Bay, his Green Bay tenure, or is it going to be more like when Aaron Rodgers was trying to get him fired every other play and, and changing up the play? You know, is, is it going to be a disaster like that? Um, those are really going to be the things that that change it, but the Cowboys, I think, definitely have good potential. All right, so this was interesting. Um, I guess I'll go in order here. Um, great job by all of you. Great to be back on the roundtable. Uh, thank you to everybody who joined us um shout out to everyone jake ferguson especially i wish i could give jake uh the roundtable mvp obviously um but so chris you were right you picked up 420 points um in the crowd um uh, that gave you um i didn't give any by the way uh, to you um but so um you gave you a total of 474 um tony you picked up a total of from me 418 points now you were sitting on 55 <laughs> so uh that takes you to 473. Now, keep in mind, I gave Chris zero, but I gave you 418, Tony. Uh, the crowd is who gave Chris the 420. Um, now, Halman, I gave you 421. And some of that was the, like, 421 thing, like the Dak and Zeke. Like, I was kind of, like, vibing it and feeling it. 
Um, and I really was expecting you to kind of like finish and land the plane because you were at 475. Like I was, you know, we were engraving the trophy and everything. And then you said, but what this all ultimately comes down to is the play of the quarterback, the play of Mike McCarthy. Do you know the title of the episode? Do, do you understand the premise of this? This was about the supporting cast. You had to take two points away because uh, you dropped a deuce. So you had to literally drop a deuce uh, as far as the points were concerned. Uh, so that being said, Hellman, you finished with 473. So did you, Tony? Chris Holling, you finished with 474. You manifested the win. Uh, congratulations. It was the entire crowd kickup points that helped you out here. Uh, what do you have to say? Who do you have to thank? Who do you want to criticize? The floor is yours. Well, I have to thank I love Explicitive in the chat because he was a big reason for my victory with those 420 <laughs> points. Um, <laughs> with that said, um, yeah, you know, I mean, it was great to be back on the round table. I did a lot of uh, film review leading up to this. You know, I really watched the film from the past few uh, round tables that I've done. And, mm. you know, I, you know, you know, I tried to look at what areas I could improve at. And, you know, I really did the homework and, it, you know, it, you know, it feels good to pay off. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. So, yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm excited to be on here. Um, and, you know, I'm just happy to be on blogging the boys. And my last statement would be that, Tony, you got to go watch some office now. Wow, Tony, salt in the wounds. How do you feel? There's nobody named Jake um, on that show, but I know that will be disappointing to you. Um, but um, Tony, how do you, you feel? Robbed? You, you know, is it same old, same old? RJ never wants me to win. Like, what's you know? What, how are you feeling here? Definitely a little bit of that, but uh, yeah, <laughs> a little same old. It feels good to be back. I'll tell you what, it feels familiar. It feels familiar. Um, wow, um, Howman, I would like you to tell us. It, like on a percentage basis, like what percent of your opinion of Tony will drop if he doesn't watch The Office? A hundred percent. There's just no excuse. Wow. Wow. I've seen a few. Are you actually going to do it? I've seen a couple. I, I've seen the basketball episode. You know, I've but that's just the, the first season. The first season is like yeah, kind of like the first slow, season. like introductory. They're just dipping their toe in the water. They're like Tony, seeing what they Tony, can get I'm away gonna... with. I'm going to call you out in front of Chris and uh, how I'm going to end the world, really, obviously. Um, you you mentioned Monday's episode, First and Ten, which you co-host with Aiden Davis here on the Blog on the Boys podcast network. And you said that you and your wife are actually in the middle of re-watching Breaking Bad. Breaking yes. Bad's an awesome show, right? I've Zero issues with that. You even said your mom told you that you have to watch Better Call Saul. Watch Better mm -hmm. Call Saul. But if you have time to re-watch Breaking Bad... How do you not have time to watch something like The Office? You're right. I mean, I <laughs> I have to negotiate with the the boss. You know, I got to see what she wants to watch, and then we got to figure it out. But I, I'll, our next meeting, I'm going to put The Office on the books, and we'll see if we can get that done. See, Tony, if you had if you had been like, you know what, man, I guarantee I would have revoked the win from Chris, and I would have given it to you. But this, it's his hesitancy. You got to go for the win, man. That's what Chris yeah. Chris showed up said. I'm going to win. Tony's going to lose. That's what we need here. That's that's what Confident. we hope Jake Ferguson is doing right now. Like like he tell will. Luke Schoonmaker, you suck. This is my job. Wow. Take a seat, Scooney. Uh, wow. Um, okay, Tony. As we leave, you know what time it is. Um, I do want to say that I've turned over a new leaf. Um, and I also think that we've run out of random noises. Uh, so I would like you to tell us a fun fact, Tony Catalina. Something interesting about the world, pop culture, food, cuisine, dining, mm. movies you know, cinema, um, you know, gravity, science, math, whatever you want. Something that we all, after you say it, we all go, damn, that's interesting. I wish I had something for you. I'm trying to think. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I'm trying to think. I wish I had something. I for bought you with a lot of time, Tony. I was really trying to stall for you. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, did you know that pickleball is the fastest growing sport in the world? And I'm partaking. <laughs> so interesting. <laughs>